It is great to have you back to our midweek Bible study. Uh, You know, this time in God's Word and also in fellowship on a Tuesday or a Wednesday has just long been a spiritual anchor for me personally, and I hope the same is true for you as well. Mark Twain famously said that a man or woman who lives fully is prepared to die at any time. A man or woman who lives fully is prepared to die at any time. As we study this week's passage from Philippians, we will certainly find that that is true for the Apostle Paul. A man who lives fully is prepared to die at any time. The key was, for Paul, that Christ was at the center, whether in life or in death. And that's going to be the title of our lesson this week, Christ the Center. Listen to what Paul wrote in Philippians 1, 18 to 26. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, that's which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. We're going to explore this passage under three headings. Uh, They're found in the outline notes if you're using those. Christian salvation. Christian life, and Christian death. So we begin with Christian salvation found in Philippians 1, verses 18 to 20. You'll recall that when we were finishing up last week, Paul rejoiced at how the gospel was advanced, and he concluded by contemplating how in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. And now Paul continues in this week's passage, by saying, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Paul not only rejoices that Christ is proclaimed, but Paul also will rejoice. You see that future tense. He will rejoice that he will experience deliverance or salvation, as many translations have it. Paul is imprisoned, right? He's in chains, and yet he is confident that all of his adversities will turn out for his salvation. Well, how's that going to happen exactly? Two ways. Number one, through the Philippians' prayers, and number two, through the help of the Spirit of Jesus. So he says, Philippians, you know, as you pray to the Father, he will supply me with the Spirit of God's Son, Jesus. And that's how Paul is going to experience deliverance or salvation, through prayer and the Spirit. 
prayer and the Spirit. I don't know if you ever wonder whether our prayers really make a difference or not. If you do wonder that from time to time, take heart from what God's Word says right here. Philippians, through your prayers and through the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, Paul's whole situation is going to turn out for his deliverance or his salvation. It's similar to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 10 and 11. You also must help us by prayer. Corinthians, you're going to help Paul by your prayers. And now Philippians, through your prayers, Paul will be delivered. Question, how are Paul's chains ultimately going to turn out for his salvation? Answer, through the prayers of God's people and the help or the supply of God's Spirit. And it's not just for Paul, but we too, as God's people, we depend on the Spirit's power given in answer to the prayers of God's people. As one commentator said, in some mysterious way, those prayers are linked with God furnishing the Spirit to Paul, and together they provide the help that he needs. It appears here that Paul is echoing the words of Job 13.16, if you look those up, that all this will turn out for his ultimate salvation. Just as it did for Job, so will it for Paul. Right? And so putting it all together, Paul seems to be saying something like this. Gordon Fee paraphrases it this way. This whole affair will turn out to my ultimate salvation when, through your prayers and the supply of the Spirit of Christ, my earnest expectation and hope are realized at my trial. And not only am I not brought to shame, not only that, but in a very open or bold way, Christ is magnified in every way, whether I'm given life or whether I'm sentenced to death. So whether I'm released or not, Christ is going to be glorified. And for Paul, he says that could happen either through his death or by his life. You could see that in verse 20, right? Paul's hope is eager expectations. Whole attention is focused on one thing, that in an unashamed and courageous way, Christ is honored or exalted in, in Paul's body, whether by life or by death. I mean, Paul knows he is not in control of his physical circumstances, but God is in control. So either way, whether Paul's trial ends at a sentence of life you're free to go, or death, you're going to be executed. Christ is going to be magnified through Paul's bold and open witness to others. Now, Paul right now, he's not ashamed in any way of his chains, and he says, I'm not going to experience any shame at my trial either, right? Whether the outcome is physical life or bodily death, because Christian salvation does not depend on whether we live or die, right? It's about Christ as the center. So we move from number one, Christian salvation, to number two, Christian life, again with Christ, the center of it all. You see, should it be God's pleasure for Paul to continue to live in the flesh, that will mean fruitful labor for him. Great! Well, on the one hand, I mean, in a sense, personally, Paul has a deep desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better 
The glories of heaven and direct fellowship with Jesus are much better than anything this world has to offer. So if Paul was just thinking about himself, he'd take the execution option. I mean, he actually would prefer to die and be with Christ. But on the other hand, to remain in the flesh in this life for, who knows, a few more years, that's more necessary on account of the Philippians and the other churches that Paul had founded as well. And in his heart of hearts, you can see as the paragraph moves along, Paul is pretty sure that he is going to be acquitted at his trial. And that's going to allow him to remain and continue with all those who are under his spiritual care. That way, see, Paul can work for their progress and their joy in the faith. So though in a sense, Paul personally would prefer death, he expects to experience continued life. And that's going to be good for the Philippians. I mean, if Paul's able to go back to the city of Philippi again, it's going to give them ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. Now, the glories of the life to come, they're, they're going to have to wait right, for a while in order that Paul can promote the glory of others growing in Christ in this life, in the here and now. Christian life has Christ as the center Our whole existence, our primary passion is Christ, right? Christian life is absorbed with living for Christ. To live is Christ, Paul says. Christ is at the center of everything in the Christian life. For to me, Paul says, personally, there's a personal aspect, for to me to live day by day, practically in this world, is Christ. It's trusting in Christ. It's following Christ. It's serving Christ, exalting Christ. Christian life is also a life of fruitful labor. For Paul, fruitful labor was a life of working for the Philippians and others' progress in the faith and others' joy in the faith. And he says the final result would be that when Paul came to the Philippians again, after his expected acquittal, then they would have even more reason to boast in Christ. They'd have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. It's not just for Paul. right? Christian life for all believers, for you and for me, is a life of fruitful labor. No matter what you do at work or at home, however your days are occupied, right? you are called to work heartily as for the Lord knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, Paul says when he writes to the Colossians. So we see at the end of our passage here that Paul anticipates a great reunion when they're going to be able to enjoy each other and boast in Christ Jesus and what he has done. What God has done in Paul and for Paul is going to be the ground for their glorying in Christ. And we also see here the fourth mention of the idea of joy, just in this first chapter. Now, the first three, it's been about Paul's joy and him rejoicing. This is the first time we're focused on the Philippians' joy, their joy in the Christian faith, and perhaps their joy in seeing Paul again as well. So we've seen that Christian life has Christ as the center. And now, third and finally, we'll also see that Christian death has Christ as the center. To die is gain. It's not that Paul 
hated life or had some weird death wish kind of thing. But if Paul had a choice, he says the better alternative, in fact, the far better alternative, is to depart and be with Christ. Personally, Paul is ready to pull up the anchor and sail his ship to the other side. But Paul's hard-pressed. He's torn between his personal desire to depart and be with Christ and his sense of duty to, to continue to minister to those under his spiritual care. With Christ at the center, though, this is the great thing. Paul wins either way, right? If he's released and he can continue in ministry, or if he's executed and he departs to be with Christ. Paul doesn't fear death. No, far from it. He looks forward to death, since it means departing from this life to be directly with Christ forever. (laughs) Death will bring us even into a yet closer union with Christ than we already have. We will see him face to face. So when we die, Christians don't lose, we win, right? To die is gain. Now, of course, when we lose someone here on earth, we are sorrowful as we mourn the loss. I talked to a lady just this afternoon who lost her dad. That's sad. That's hard for us. But death is gain for the Christian who dies in Christ, right? To depart from this life, to be with Jesus. I mean, Christians love Jesus. And so we long to be with Jesus forever, in eternity. To depart and be with Christ, it's far better. Well, as we back up a little bit and look at the big picture, commentator Frank Thielman raises a good question, I think. He asks this, why does Paul debate before the Philippians his personal preference in circumstances whose outcome he cannot control? In other words, why does Paul bring all this up in a letter to the Philippians? What has this to do with them, his hypothetical situation with his acquittal or not at his trial? I think Thielman is right that the answer lies in Paul's desire to serve as a model for the Philippian church. Think about it. Paul provides an example for the Philippians of what it means to put the interests of others above one's own interests. Although Paul would personally or clear prefer to depart and be with Christ, he looks forward to the fact that he's likely going to be acquitted and continue in ministry. Why? Why would he look forward to continued life on earth? Because it will allow him to continue to minister to the Philippians and to others and help them progress in their faith and in their joy. See, it's all about advancing the gospel and growing in Christ and having Christ, not self, but Christ at the center. In Christian salvation, in Christian life, in Christian death, Christ is the center of it all. A man or a woman who lives fully for Christ, they're prepared to die at any time. Well, as always, there are many applications that we can draw from this week's passage. I'm going to suggest four for you to consider as I bring the teaching to a close, but I know there are others you will discuss in your small groups as well. Number one, pray for each other, right? Since it's through our prayers and the help or supply of the Holy Spirit that God brings about our salvation or deliverance, right? Our prayers are the means through which 
God accomplishes His purposes. We see that in verse 19. So it's a simple application. Pray for each other the same way the Philippians were praying for Paul. Number two, remember, even in the time of a pandemic, when hundreds of thousands of lives have been lost, that physical life or physical death is not what matters most. What matters most is having Christ at the center. Oh, Christ, be the center of our lives and our deaths, which will come. Thirdly, is my Christian life filled with fruitful labor for Christ? Is that true? Whatever I'm doing with my days, am I working heartily for the Lord? Can I truly say that for me, to live is Christ? Or, if I'm being honest, for me is to live Christ plus wealth or leisure or status or something else. Is my Christian life filled with fruitful labor for Christ? Is it true that for me to live is Christ? And fourth, a last application question to ask is, do I look forward to death? Because I know that it means departing from this life to be with Christ forever. Can I truly say that for me to die is gain? Am I living so fully for Christ now? that I am prepared to die at any time. That's much to consider as we close in prayer. Father, we thank you for the privilege of prayer, that we can come before your throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We thank you for the privilege of praying for one another, knowing that as you answer our prayers, You accomplish your purposes for your people. Forgive us, we pray, for times when we have thought like unbelievers and lived like unbelievers. When we've placed too much importance on physical life and physical death rather than keeping Christ at the center, no matter what our circumstances. Fill our lives, we ask, with fruitful labor for you. We want to be able to say with honest hearts, that for me to live is Christ. And we want to live so fully for Christ now that we are prepared to die at any time. So give us, we pray, an increasing desire to depart and be with Christ, which will be gained far, far better. We ask you to have your way in our minds, in our hearts, in our relationships, all for the glory of Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we pray. Amen.